Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day and we can come together and to worship you. And oh, I can't wait to share with your people and your body here what that really means when we come together. And we're going to do that in a week or two as we continue to learn about worship and being Christ-like and to be living stones put together as a royal family and priesthood holy unto God where praise and worship is offered. And Father, this day, this day, we ask for the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of all unrighteousness as 1 John asks us so that we might be filled with your Holy Spirit, Father, and that your Spirit will make everything that we're going to do today understandable, holy, and acceptable to you as worship. Father, we praise you for your spirit that resides within those who have believed in Christ. We thank you, Father, for Jesus who died on that cross for our sins. We thank you for your holy word, which is given to as your mind, and for our good, we're going to learn in a minute. And Father, we love you and praise you for your goodness, your grace, and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. The lesson today is dancing like David danced. I want to dance like David danced. We're going to play this song beforehand, and then after we study what it means, we're going to play it again to close us out, okay? But I want, I want you to listen to these words and the emotion.
wait. Just wait until you see what this is all about. Why this is written and why this song is written. Because it's going to get good. I hope. As long as I can present it the way the Lord has presented it to me this week in worship. You know why David prayed the way he prayed? And David sang the way he sang? And David danced the way he danced? Because he realized that he was a sinner. And he realized that he was not worthy, but God had made him worthy. And God had chosen him and cleansed him. And when he realizes each time, and we're going to see where he realized he had made a great mistake. And when he made it right, when he studied that word of God and he made it right, you're going to see how it changes his own life and he can dance. And that's what's going to happen in our lives whenever we realize that we're worthless, but Jesus Christ has made it right. And when we see how that even though we've stumbled and fell, he makes it right and we're acceptable now. You're going to dance like David danced. Are you ready? Let's put on our, let's put on our worship shoes. We've been talking the last couple of weeks in John chapter 4 about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And how that Jesus had to go through Samaria. That there was, there was some people there whose hearts were open. That they were ready to receive the word of God. And so he had to go through this barren territory that was not approved of by the Jews. And he goes there and he meets that woman at the well. And they begin talking. And he begins telling her that he is the Christ. And he's got, he's got this eternal, everlasting water of life. She said, give me some. And he said, you, you, you don't even know what you're asking about. I've got this. And she said, then show me. And he said, where are we going to worship? She said, how am I to worship you? The Jews say it's in Jerusalem. Our people say it's on this mountain. And Jesus told her this. Soon the day is coming, now is, when people will not worship in Jerusalem only or on this mountain, but they are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what we're going to, what we're getting at is pretty soon there's not going to be no temple because your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit where the worship takes place. Oh, we're getting there. But Jesus tells her about this spirit and in truth and the two ways that God says is acceptable worship unto him. It's from your entire being of who you are and according to the word of God. And then we started talking about Nadab and Abihu. We, we got to the anointing oils and we got to the incense and then last week we were in Leviticus 10 and we looked at the story of Nadab and Abihu and I want you to, to, to turn there with me for a moment if you would in Leviticus chapter 10. We saw that these were the sons of Aaron and that Aaron and his sons were chosen to be the priests unto God. And we saw that in Exodus chapter 25 all the way through 34, they're, they're talking about building this tabernacle and the articles of worship that go into it. And then as they sanctified and finished that, now the building is ready, but it needed the priests to go to conduct the worship. And that's what we are. We are a holy priesthood where the worship is conducted. And... The priests were sanctified and consecrated under that work. And we saw that in Leviticus 8 and 9. And how that when God accepted everything that had been done according to word, his word and truth and in spirit, that his fire came down. And it took in that offering that they give and was acceptable. And then we turn the page to Leviticus chapter 10. And that's where we are right now. And I want, to, I want to dig a little deeper now into Leviticus chapter 10 with you. Let's go there. It says this. Now, Nadab and Abihu, and I, I skipped right over that other slide, Miss T. Okay. You're trying to follow me, but I'm going everywhere. I got you. Okay. Um, 
But Jesus told them in spirit and in truth. And you know what? That's what Moses had just told them too. He said this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel. See, I get wound up and I just keep going everywhere. And she's like, where? Where are you at? Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And my words that I command you shall reside in your heart. You know what that is? Spirit and truth. Amen. My words in your heart is truth. And with all of your being is spirit. It has never changed what God has expected. Jesus just brought it out there in John 4. It has always been worship me with all of your being and according to the way I ask you to do it. And that's what it was. And I like that. It says up there, it's the Shema. Shema is the word for hear. And it's one of my favorite words. It's the Hebrew word Shema, which means fourfold. You're going to hear, you're going to listen. You're going to understand, and then you will obey. And God says, I want you to listen, understand, and obey what I'm telling you. I am one. And I want you to worship me with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And I want you to take my word and I want it to reside within you. And that means we need to study the word, don't we? So we go now to Leviticus chapter 10. And if you're there and you follow along, I want to dig a little deeper here. Last week, we just covered some basics. Now, Nadab and Abihu, these are two sons of Aaron, and they took their respective fire pans, their censers, and they put the fire coals in them, and then they placed their incense on top of it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came down from the presence of God and consumed them, and they died there before the Lord, right in the front of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to Aaron, here's what the Lord spoke to me, saying, those who come near to me, I will be treated as holy. Therefore, before all the people, when you come together, I will be honored. And Aaron kept his silence. And Moses then, here's where we're going to dig deeper. They offered strange fire. It had been told in Exodus, what you offer up in the incense, it is this much of this spice, this much of this. This is what you will offer. It is holy unto me. You will treat me as holy and only offer this unto me and to nothing else. They went in and did not take that and offered what they wanted to beforehand, before the Lord. People try to do that today all over the place. I want it my way. Well, the Lord's body is not Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. We are not here to give. We are here to give worship unto God the Father. And he said, here's what I want you to do. And he says, I will be honored as holy when you come before me and you don't offer strange fire upon my altar. And so Moses called for Mishael and Elzapan in verse 4. These are cousins of their Aaron son's uncles, Isaiah. And they said, come forward, carry your relatives out from the front of the sanctuary and take them outside the camp. And so they came forward and carried them. They were still in their tunics. And they carried them by those tunics outside the camp, as Moses had said. And then Moses said to Aaron and to his other last two sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, You will not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes so that you will not die and that you will not Cause the people people to become wrathful against all the congregation. So in other words, he's saying what God has done was holy. And it's going to be for an example. And I'll cover that in a minute. 
But don't disrespect what God has done before the people and cause the people to begin to murmur against what God has done. Don't do that. You don't uncover your heads and, and pile on the sackcloth and ashes type things. Verse 7, you will not even go out from the doorway of the tent of the meeting. You will stay here unless you die, for the Lord's anointing oil is upon you. And so they did according as the word of God said through Moses. Wow. Now there's our first example in the Bible, when the tabernacle was built, the place of worship where God said, I will meet you there on the mercy seat. And he said, the first routine worship, they already started going outside of the word of God in the way that they were going to worship. So he had to make an example here with this. He, and he told them, don't leave the camp, the front of the doorway, you and your other two sons, you stay right here because you are anointed as holy unto me and you're not going to make a scene. Everything is to be done in spirit and in truth. And this is why I had to do that. Because those who come near to me will be treat me as holy and I will be honored before the people. And that's what worship is. That we are in his presence and we are offering him what he desires. And... He said, don't dishonor me by doing anything else. And then, that word strange fire, anything else other than I have authorized is strange. And that means that which is unfamiliar. When you meet a stranger, they're unfamiliar to you and you haven't met them before. When you are walking in God's path and worshiping him, you do what's familiar what is truth, what is guided in his word is what that means. You don't stray off the path. What did Jesus say? Narrow is the way. He said, don't add to or take away from. This word means don't swerve outside the lines of the path. You stay in the familiar way and don't go into strange ways. And so there was another contributing factor to the reason why they made a bad decision. And so let's go there. That's in verses 8 through 11, if you're following along with me. In verses 8 through 11, it says this. Here's a contributing factor to the bad decision that they made with strange fire. The Lord then spoke to Aaron and said, Do not drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons with you, when you come into the tent of my meeting so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout all your generations so that you can make a distinction between what is holy and what is profane, between what is clean and what is unclean, so as you can teach the sons of Israel all the statutes of the Lord that he has spoken to them through Moses. He didn't say you can't drink. But he said that when you come into my house and you're going to get ready to teach my people by example, don't come in intoxicated because that inhibits your ability to make a distinction between what is holy and what is unholy, between what is true and what is untrue, between what I ask you to do and what you want to do. When you come to me, you come with a sound mind. Intoxication comes in more ways than just with alcohol, doesn't it? It can come with other different things that you can take, but it can also be attitudes of the heart and the mind, can't it? Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, he's drunk on power? Power has made him drunk. Uh, it says in Revelation that people got drunk on the doctrines of Jezebel, they drank from the wine of her cup. In other words, the things that they did in their minds becomes intoxicating to you. In other words, it inhibits your ability to choose truth over what's tempting for you. And so in that, and that can be anything. Hatred can inhibit your ability. Pride, all of these things can inhibit things. So it says that. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. Somebody can come in here under the influence that doesn't know God, and I welcome them here because we're going to teach them better, aren't we? 
We're going we're gonna to take you. I want them to feel welcome, and I want them to say, here, but we're going to show you a better way of life. I always tell everyone that I, I have counseled with, and even my family members, that I have known in the past that those things of the world are strong. You've got to have something stronger to take its place, and that's the Word of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the only thing, you need to become intoxicated on the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, so here's what had happened. And so now they had done this. And prestige and hatred and religious status, everything can come involved to make you have false thoughts and the way you want to do things. But, and also, I want to let you know something else about this. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You remember people telling you that about, uh, well, you're doing 70 and a 40. Well, I didn't know it was. Well, I'm sorry, it is. <laughs> Did you see the sign? No. Well, that's kind of what God was saying here. Didn't you read my word? Uh, this is what I expected, and I told you. And so ignorance of the law is no excuse. So I want to give you some a New Testament and then an Old Testament example of this. Here's... 2 Timothy chapter 2, one of our Berean chapters. The Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, wrote and said, uh, I'm going to read it first to you as it's in the King James, and then I want to break it down. He says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's dig a little deeper right here into this. Study to show yourself approved unto God. The word for study there is diligently being in the word, and it also says the word that is used there means to make haste and to do it quickly. In other words, your joy, your passion, your the theme and goal of your life is to take in that word as fast as possible to get yourself up to speed to know what God wants in your life. And he says, study, why? To show yourself approved unto God. And that word means to be acceptable. That when God looks at it, he tries, he tests it. It's the word that was used for testing whether gold was true or not. Or whether it was fool's gold or some kind of other metal that people were trying to scam them with. And God says, study to show yourself acceptable unto God. Because you are doing it by my word and not by what somebody has told you is okay. <clears throat> Rightly, being a workman, it is a labor. It is something that you do with all of your diligence to hasten to so that you will not be ashamed. In other words, when you stand there before the Lord on that day, you don't have to be ashamed because you have done according to what he did. He was a worker who... Accurately handled is what it says there. If the word is ortho, where did it go? Ortho tomeo. Ortho, what's orthotics? To straighten. Whenever they put braces on your teeth or whenever they put things on your legs to straighten your bones, it's orthopedics. So you got ortho tomeo means to cut. So in other words, what he says is, is whenever you handle the word of God, you cut straight. You don't deviate to the left or the right. You don't cut this word out. No. You don't deviate. You're straight in line with the holy word of God. You accurately handle it. And then he says this. Here's what you're to do as you gain your knowledge. Here's what you do with all of the other types of things. Shun or avoid profane words. The word for, for shun means I come over here, uh-uh, I don't want no part of that. The word means to actually turn away from and walk the other direction. Anything that is falsehood, anything that is untruth, you turn and you walk the other direction away from it because you will avoid and shun unholy, profane, unauthorized is what it means, empty words that will lead to the increasing of ungodliness. 
This is why when we went back to Leviticus chapter 10, why God made the example. That was the first act of worship, and it was false. What happens if people see that the leaders say, we can do anything we want to. We don't have to worship God the way he prescribed. Pretty soon you got chaos and disorder, don't you? God says, no, so I had to make an example. I want you to understand something, too, as we go through this. That don't mean they lost their salvation. They, they were children of God. They were anointed priests, and they still had that anointing oil on him whenever they did. But God made an example for us for all times from that. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it will say that Moses, out in the wilderness, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they followed Moses into the wilderness, that they were all baptized unto Moses through the uh, cloud and through the sea as they went. And it says, but they did what God did. They had bulls that were made of gold and they did a bunch of things. And God said, these people shall not go into the land, but the next generation will. And it says the carcasses of those people fell in the desert. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this in verse 11. Both in 6 and 11, it uses the word example in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. And verse 11 says this, all the people perished and did this because God used all of these things and recorded them as examples for us so that we would know for sure not to do those type of things. That's why they are in there. So they are examples. So we want to follow the word of God and we don't. That's why we rightly divide and get into it because even ignorance wasn't an excuse. And it says that as we continue in that, that passage there, that there's an example that he gives. There's profane and vain babblings lead to more prospering of ungodliness. And your those vain words of falsehood, it says, doth eat as a canker or as a cancer of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now I want to tell you about that word canker there or cancerous. The, the word is actually a little deeper. And what the original language says is gangreneo noma. The word noma is pasture and the other word is gangrene. So in other words, falsehoods are like a pasture that is gangrene that slowly defeats the body up until you're gone. The only other time that word pastor, nome, is used is by our Lord in John chapter 10. And he's saying, I am the true shepherd. And I am the door. And I lead you out into the green pastures. What did David say in that beloved Psalm 23? That the Lord your God is your shepherd. You shall not want. But he will what? Lead you into the green pastures. But the word of God is telling us right here specifically, that's the only two times they're mentioned, that falsehoods, anything else Jesus said in John 10, is a liar, a deceiver, and is after your soul. So, but he says, follow me, the good shepherd, the green pastures. And here Paul takes it a step further through the Holy Spirit and says, but everyone else with their deceitful words that sound so good is leading you to a gang green pasture where the sheep who feed upon that slowly are ate away like a canker, like gang green, like a sore, like a cancer does to your body. And so that's why we must learn and meet together and study the word of God and know what God has in store for us. So then... Concerning the truth, they went away. Enough the word is for didn't cut straight. Hymenaeus and Philetus didn't cut straight. They told everybody that the resurrection has already come. You all missed it. Jesus has already came, and you're not. You're still here. And it says that it overturned the faith of some. And again, that's the word for when Jesus overturned the money changers' tables. These type of words overturn. Faith. 
Don't allow that to happen. And concerning the truth, they have erred and they didn't rightly divide it. Okay, so let's keep moving. Y'all got, y'all don't have dinner on you. You got time for another example? I want to give you another example. Come on. 2 Samuel 6. I want you to turn to 2 Samuel 6, 6 with me. This is where we're going to learn about the Hebrews, okay? And this is why we got to know what the Word of God says and worship correctly and not the ignorance either. we got to know what's going on and, and to want to do it right. And when you do it right and you see how acceptable you are, then your heart dances like David dances. And while you're turning there to 2 Samuel 6, I'm going to fill you in on what's happening. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, there's been a battle that was going on. And the Philistines were winning the battle. So the people said, why? They, instead of looking inward at, at maybe I'm the problem, they, they blamed God. And they said, why is God doing this to us? Why is he not helping in this battle? And they said, let's go back. Hey, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant out here to the battlefield. Let's bring God to us. Since we haven't came to God, let's bring God to us. And let's bring the Ark of the Covenant out here. And so they go back, and there's Eli's priest and his two sons are there. And the two sons, and here we go again. It says in the Word of God that the two sons did, did not know God. That they did not have anything to do with God. That they were evil and, and corrupt and, and deceitful. And so they agreed to take the ark from where it was supposed to be. And take it out to the battlefield. And they took it out to the battlefield. And all the people of God began to say. God's with us. God's with us. We're going to gain the victory. Well, no, because you did what you wasn't supposed to do. You moved the ark to a place it's not supposed to be. So they thought God was with them, kind of like Samson, the Lord's still with me. And no, the Philistines rose up and they defeated them. And they all ran out and left the ark and the Philistines grabbed the ark and they took it back to their place and they kidnapped the ark of God. We'll study all of that another time. We don't have time for that. But fast forward now to where we're at in 2 Samuel 6, and we're there with David. David is now king, and he says, I want the ark back where it's supposed to be. So he goes, and he gets 30,000 of his men, and they go to get the ark of God, and they go and they find the ark of God, and it says that they had they had built special for this a new ox cart, brand new. Nothing's ever rode in it. And they had this ox pulling this brand new cart, and they loaded up on the ox cart, and they began marching back to Jerusalem to bring the ark of God back home. And it says that David was dancing. They were celebrating. They were doing all of their stuff. But on the way, at the threshing floor of the cone, it says that the oxen stumble. It hit something there by the threshing floor and the oxen stumble and the cart rocked and when the cart rocked it looked like the ark of God was going to fall off of there and so Uzzah this man who was smiling and worshiping God and doing what he thought was right said I cannot let the ark of God fall. So he raised up his hands and he steadied the ark back on the cart. But you know what the word of God says in the next verse? It says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and the Lord slew him right there. And then in verse 8, it says that David was angry with the Lord for lashing out like that. He didn't understand it, what was going on. And he, he just parks it. He says, I don't know what happened, but I'm going to park the ark right here and leave it and we're going to go. And he, he leaves it there with the house of Obed and he goes back and I'm sure that David is meditating and David is thinking why Lord? Were we not trying to serve you in all our ways? We were rejoicing. We were bringing your ark back home. We were trying to do everything that you said and you struck us a down. And then there's messengers coming in going, hey, guess what? The house of Obed, 
Man, the Lord is blessing everything around them because the ark's there. And David's like, what's going on? You know what? Whenever you see something like that happen, what do you think you ought to begin to do? Pray. And then in your prayer, what's God usually trying to get you to do? Go back to his word, doesn't he? What's my word say? David was a man of the word of God. He studied the word of God. He's the one that penned those words that thy word is sweet. It's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb upon my lips. And so I'm sure that he began going back to the word of God and in prayer because that's the kind of man David was. And then I think that as he began going back to the word of God, he probably went back to Exodus chapter 25. And if you go to Exodus 25 and as he's reading and meditating what's going on, Lord... And it says this in verse 12. We talked about how to build the ark and how big it was and how wide and it's overlaid with gold and had the mercy seat and the cherubims. I left this one out for a minute. It says, you're going to make four golden rings for it. And you're going to put those golden rings on the four corners of the ark. And then you're going to make poles out of acacia wood and you're going to cover those poles with gold. And you're going to slide those poles into those rings in the ark that they may be carried by them. Are you getting the picture? You're, we're making special rings that are strong, special poles overlaid with gold so that the priests are going to bear the ark on those poles and you're not going to touch the ark. You're going to bear it upon those. And they shall, those poles, it says there in the next verse, will be in the rings of the ark and you will never remove them from those rings. They're going to stay right there. Now you see what the word of God says. It's going to be borne by post. Now David probably then, his mind takes him to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8 it says this. The Lord has separated the tribe of Levi only to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to stand before the Lord and to minister to him and to bless his name. And you do that to this very day. So I'm sure that now there's many other passages that we can read when God's telling them, like in Joshua, the priests, the Levites are going to bear up the ark and they're going to cross over the Jordan in front of you. There's all kinds of passages. All of a sudden, David's mind is flooded with what is right. And God, I'm sorry. I disobeyed your word. I didn't realize it. I didn't know it. I've forgotten those things that I have studied. I did not treat you as holy. I did it my way. I'm sorry. You see, you know what David did? The last word on there said it was for your good. God says, I have separated them. You're going to bear it. And I've done all of this. And I put it in my word for your good. So David, now, what happens then? Verse 14. It says there on that, on that one, I want you to know something. This is for your good. And indeed, the heaven to the highest of heavens belongs to the Lord your God. And also the earth and all that's in it. And the Lord will be delighted in you and your fathers. Same with us because we're the children of God. The Lord's delighted with us. And he loves us. And he's chose you to be the descendants of his people to him this day. And then he says this, therefore circumcise the foreskins of your heart and not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of God and he's the Lord of Lords and he is the great, mighty and awesome God <clears throat> who doesn't show partiality. And that's what he's saying with all of these people that the fire came down he doesn't show partiality, and he can't be bribed. But your God wants you to circumcise your heart and to be true unto him. So now, David, we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 6. So as David has now studied and the Spirit has revealed the words of God unto him, and he is repentant of not following that word and says, Lord, I want to do what you said. So now David goes back. He goes back with all the, the people of Israel, but this time he brought the Levites. And he brings the Levites with him. And now you go down and look at verse 13 now. And it says, and so it was that now 
when those who were bearing the ark, it was no longer on a cart with an ox pulling it, but the Levites, the priests of God, were now holding it the way that they were supposed to do. Now it says, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, six is the number of men. David says, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be on six, because that means we've done our way. But they go six paces, and nothing happens. And you know what David does? David says, praise God! We, we did it according to his way, and he is blessing us. He's not doing this. Praise God. And now David offers up a sacrifice of oxen and bullocks and sheep, and he says, Praise God, we can bring the ark of God back. We now know how to do it, to bring the glory of God back to his house. And they began marching and bringing it back to the house of God. You see, when you do it in spirit and in truth, and you realize that it's acceptable, and God is now accepting it, you can now dance like David. Now, I want you to see this, this song again, but now it's going to be from the movie King David that is portraying what you just learned from the Word of God and why David danced like he did. And if you see me shouting, don't think I'm crazy. Like David danced, I will 
you see true worship? Spirit and the truth. Could you feel the power watching the ark of God carried by the priest coming back to Jerusalem and the glory of God being set back to where it's supposed to be? The church needs the glory of God. This country needs the glory of God. But you and I are now the residing places of the Holy Spirit of God. When the glory of God resides within us and within this body, we're going to dance like David danced. I pray that we all dance like David danced. I'm praying that you're seeing what it's going to be like to be Christ-like and to be spiritual stones in the holy priesthood unto God. The holy priesthood carried the ark of God wherever they went. As our worship team returns, we close this out. I pray that we learn to dance like David danced, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that's never ashamed, that we're diligent to worship in spirit and in truth, because God seeks, and that word when it says that God seeks such to worship him, the word means to crave. God has a craving desire to search out those who would do exactly what David did, realize, man, I was wrong, I went back, and now I am forgiven and I am cleansed, and I can bring the glory of God back and I can dance like David danced. It all begins with our heart, don't it? So in our heart, you know, Deuteronomy 10, 16 that we read a moment ago, God said there, therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and don't be resistant, stiff-necked, rebellious against me anymore, for I am the God of gods and the Lord of lords, great and mighty. There's a New Testament example of that. Nothing changes in God. He don't change or stray. Look at our New Testament example in Colossians chapter 2. Verse 10 says that we are complete in him, which is Christ, who is the head of all principality and power. In him, we are circumcised. Just like he said, circumcised the foreskin of your skin. It was always about the heart and not about the physical one. It's always been about the spiritual one. You were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and you put off the body of sin or that foreskin of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. How did that happen? You were buried with him in baptism, into which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God of that operation of removing that, and you were raised through the working of God with him from the dead. And you, who used to be dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is now made alive together with him and forgiven you all of those things. Praise God, right? For his goodness and mercy. And then for us, you then you keep on praising God, keeping his commandments, and dancing like David danced. Let's pray. Oh, Father. We long for the day that we can dance like David danced. We pray that you anoint us, Father, with that Holy Spirit and with your truth. And Father, I pray the blessing of the hearing of your word this day upon the ears of those who have heard it. Those whose hearts are not yet circumcised, I pray that they will be. And that they will believe in Jesus Christ. And that they will come and be baptized into Christ. And that circumcision that's made without hands by the operation of God that removes the sins will take place. I pray that happens today. And Father, for those of us who have done that, I pray that that circumcision keeps coming all the time. I continue to pray for forgiveness, for your mercy and grace and love. And that we are anointed and blessed and loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who have made us to be his holy nation.
and his royal priesthood who bears the spirit of God within them. And may we be a light to a dying world, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's some powerful stuff, wasn't it? Well, this song, you know, why I like it so much, but I was talking with Miss Sarah earlier today, and uh, this song has a special meaning to me because my mom used to sing it to me when I was a little kid, but Sarah said that she would get up in the middle of the night, just sit up and chain smoke cigarettes and drink Diet Pepsi, and uh, she prayed to Jesus one night and sang this song. She said that this song helped her quit smoking 13 years ago, right? 13 years ago. Amen. One. 